0: Section thirty seven of A Fair Mystery This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit libriVox dot org. A Fair Mystery by Bertha M. Clay. Section thirty seven The Punishment of Folly. I cannot bear it, said my lover to me, continued Lady Estelle, when we met the next day on the lawn at Twickenham. We Studleys are just as mad in jealousy as we are in love. When I see you surrounded by the wealthiest and noblest in the land, men, each of whom is more worthy of you a thousand times than I am, but no one else loves you half so well, I can bear it no longer, Estella. I will stand by no longer to see you loved, admired, and sought by other men. I will go away and never return to this hateful land again. What can I do, Ulric? I asked. I cannot help it. I do not ask people to admire me you can do one thing if you will he said you can set my heart at rest you can consent to what i ask a private marriage that will make you mine and it will not be in the power of any human being to take you from me it will set my heart at rest and i shall know no matter who admires you that you are mine if you will not consent to this i must go i was sorely afraid to lose him Ilmoray. but what will become of me when my parents find out i asked they need never find it out when they seem to like me a little better we will tell them no one knows what an excellent thing it is to make oneself master of the situation once done we cannot be expected to undo it and after a few days they will say that we were naughty but they will forgive us when they are quite sure that being angry is of no use those were weak arguments earl Moray, to lead a girl away from her duty they seem to me so now though then i fancied them full of the wisest sense I destroyed myself, when I looked up into his face, and said, "'But even if I were willing, how could it be managed, Ulric?" He clasped me in his arms. "'Only say that you are willing. That is enough. I shall go mad with joy. Estella, say that you are willing, and leave the preliminaries to me.' He looked so eager, so handsome. I was so weak and young. I loved him so dearly. All higher and better considerations faded away. I promised.' she buried her face in her hands and earl saw the tears fall through the slender jewelled fingers he saw the fragile figure torn with deep convulsive sobs yet he did not dare comfort her he felt that for such a wrong she had committed there could be no pardon from those she had deceived yet his feeling of compassion for her was so strong that he could not refrain from showing her some sympathy he laid his hand gently on her arm dear lady hereford he said i wish that i knew how to comfort you you cannot she replied there can be no consolation for sins like mine oh earl murray you see that i am speaking to you as though i had known you for years it is because you love doris can you think can you imagine how i came to be so foolish so mad it seems to me looking back on my past incredible young gifted with everything to make life desirable that i should wreck myself turn every blessing into a curse it is incredible to me i cannot believe it yet i have done it i need not tire you with the details i have dwelt longer than i need to have done on my temptations because i want you who love doris so dearly to think the best which is possible of me do you agree to that will you try most certainly i will dear lady hereford who am i that i should sit in judgment over you i am ashamed to tell you the rest she said in a wailing tone It is the story that would disgrace the humblest beggar—think how it humiliates me—the sole daughter of one of the proudest houses in the land. No Studley ever failed for want of determination. The more and the greater obstacles that rose in my lover's way, the more valiantly he overcame them. I am too ignorant even to explain how he arranged it. Everything gives way to money, I suppose. The obstacles he encountered did— "'I only know two things for certain—we were married, and our marriage was legal.' "'It seems almost incredible,' said Earl, "'for one so highly placed, so constantly guarded as you must have been, Lady Hereford. "'It was difficult, but I will confess my own duplicity. "'I told my mother that I was going to spend two days with Lady Agnes, "'and I went accompanied by my maid.' It was a very easy matter, on the morning of the second day, to escape from Lady Agnes, under some slight pretext, and meet Captain Studley. We were married in some old grey church by the river, and when I returned to Twickenham I did not even dare to tell my best friend. Yet I remember so well the almost delicious happiness, perhaps all the sweeter that it was kept so silent.' The happiness of knowing that i had proved to my husband how dearly i loved him the happiness of knowing how great were the sacrifices i made for him ah surely he would be content now when for his sake i made myself a living lie i wore a mask that hid me from the parents who loved me surely he would be satisfied now i dared not tell lady delapan what i had done imprudent as she was she would never have countenanced that for some weeks we were happy my whole life became one intrigue arranging how to meet my husband and how much time it was possible to spend with him without being found out security made me reckless whenever i met him i used to deceive my mother by telling her i had been with lady agnes One evening, when we were going to some great state entertainment, I remained with him later than I should have done. Time had flown so quickly I had not measured its flight, and I was late for dressing. The Duchess was not well pleased. Although she did not say much, but a few days afterwards Lady Agnes called and wanted me to go out with her. My mother said, "'Yes,' but added that I must be more careful, as I had been too late on Tuesday.' "'But Lady Estella was not with me on Tuesday,' said Lady Agnes quickly, and my mother looked at her in deepest wonder. "'Not with you,' she cried. "'Where was she, then?' I turned to my friend, and she alone saw the hot flush in my face. "'You forget,' I said. Some inkling of the truth came to her, and she murmured confusedly that she had forgotten. The Duchess looked perfectly satisfied, but when she quitted the room, Lady Agnes said to me, "'Estella, I do not quite understand. I never saw you on Tuesday.' "'I know that,' was my curt reply. "'But why did you tell your mother you had been with me?' "'Because I did not wish her to know where I had been,' I replied. She kissed me and said sadly, "'You have secrets even from me, then?' And I answered, "'Yes.' She looked very unhappy. "'Estella,' she said, "'I hope I have not been foolish, and aided you in folly.' But I would not listen to her. I only laughed. After that Lady Agnes became more cautious.' I do not know whether she had any suspicion or not she never expressed any to me after that i found more difficulty in meeting my husband oh wretched story how i loathe the telling of it he grew impatient and angry while as the days passed on i shrank with greater dread from letting my parents know what i had done then jealousy anger quarrels and impatience took the place of love i cannot tell you the history of that wretched time i dare not I had to find out, then, that a studly could indulge in rage as well as love. It was not long before I learned many bitter lessons. At length, one day, we had a more than usually angry quarrel, and then my husband vowed that he would leave me. A regiment was ordered to India next week. He would exchange into it, and I should never see him again. In vain I wept, pleaded, prayed. He was in one of his terrible furies, and nothing could move him. Still, I never believed that he would do it. Had I even fancied so, I should have instantly, at any cost, have told my mother all. But I thought it merely a threat, a cruel and unmanly threat, but an empty one. I resolved that for some days I would not write to him. Oh, Irma can you imagine my distress when, one short week afterward, I heard it carelessly told that Captain Ulrich Studley had taken a sudden whim and exchanged into another regiment which had sailed for india that week and would not in all probability return for years the lady told the news laughingly as though it were only a piece of amusing gossip the comments were made of an indifferent character some said india was the best place for younger sons without fortune others said it was a thousand pities that there was no chance of the earldom of Linley for the gay captain no one looked at me no one thought of me yet i was the wife of the man they were all discussing it was many minutes before my senses returned to me then i found myself grasping at the back of a chair to keep myself from falling unseen and unnoticed i contrived to quit the room oh heaven when i recall the intolerable anguish of that hour i wonder that i lived through it i had trusted a studley and had met with the usual reward of those who place confidence in a perfidious race i think that on the face of the earth there was none so truly desolate and lonely so frightened as i was during that time married in secret to a man whom my parents disliked whom the world mentioned with a sneer a man whose name was a proverb for light-heartedness inconstancy married and deserted it would have been bad enough had he been here it would have been a terrible ordeal even had he been by my side to help me with love and sympathy but now alone unaided he himself thousands of miles away what could i do i did that which seemed easiest at the time i kept silence he had sailed away saying nothing of the marriage neither would i i would take the just punishment of my folly living single all my life and keep my dreadful secret there seemed to be no other plan to tell the truth i stood too much in awe of my father and mother to dare even to tell them i dreaded their anger i dreaded the cool calm contempt in my mother's face i dreaded the disappointment that would i knew be my father's greatest grief what else could i do but keep my sad secret all to myself yes i declare to you that the struggle in my own mind was so dreadful the pain and sorrow so great that i almost died of it no one ever said anything to me about captain studley even those who seemed to fancy there had been a slight flirtation between us considered his going away as a proof that there was none i saw that my parents were greatly relieved by his absence and after a few weeks the shock began to get less lady agnes asked me once if i were unhappy over him i made some evasive reply then after a time i began to look my life in the face to think that the evil done was not without remedy I could bear the penalty of my folly if the secret of my ill starred marriage could be kept. End of section thirty seven.